Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Hi, everybody. It's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah, the Ayatollah Alcohola, Ian Wadley. And we're, this is a two-parter. Uh, yes, sir. Since people love that last one, your review. Uh, we're doing another one. And P- Ian picked the year that we're doing this one. So, Ian, talk to the people and tell them why you picked this year. Well, last uh, last time we did 1983, I picked that one at absolute random. Uh, but this one I gave a little bit of thought to. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the albums that came out this year but more of this was my first full year as a a hard rock metal head i got into you know there's albums i had before of course that were in the genre but when this became my music of choice was uh you know uh winter of 85 but 86 it was all about fucking metal for me and uh from then on from that point in my life it's been my number one you know genre of music uh, so I wanted to go back and revisit uh, this year when I was absorbing everything. It was all about, oh, I got to have this issue of Hit Parade or I got to have that issue of Circus. You know, I got to find out about these bands. I'm, I'm watching, you know, uh, MTV, you know, to see the metal videos and everything. This was the year where I started growing my hair. Uh, you know, I was 86. I was 12. <laughs> I was 12 and in love with fucking metal. Uh, so that's why I picked this year. Awesome, dude. Uh, there's a lot I love from this year, and there's a lot I hate. Um, starting this year is where a lot of my gods went south on me, but they went north for Ian. And uh, so this will be interesting to talk about. Well, actually, I was at the equator because I had no preconceived notions. I just heard what I heard and, and took it from there. And some bands, you know, I would dig into their past and, you know, uh, it's, I, I equate this to be like, you know, a Metallica fan who never heard anything before the Black Album. You know, you don't realize how bad it is because you haven't heard the good shit yet. <laughs> but there's stuff that you love because that is your first. And uh, that definitely comes up with a lot of these bands and albums. Explains your love for Bang Tango and my love for REO Speedwagon. <laughs> yep. We're both going to hell. We both like things that suck. <laughs> That's right. Women. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's let's dive into it. All right. I'm going to let you pick the first one that, that comes to mind that you would like to talk about. Um, well, um, hmm, I guess I should go with uh, the big one first. <clears throat> For me, the big one. Uh, Master of Puppets. Oh, oh, oh. We're not going in alphabetical order like we did last time? Okay. Why don't you go then? Okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, that's what we did last. We went through the list in alphabetical order by the band. Uh, so the first two on this list, I have no idea, but the one I do see here, I know, is Except with Russian Roulette. And uh, this is an album that I would not hear in 1986. In fact, I would not hear this album until probably about five years ago. <laughs> uh, 
I was a casual except fan back in the day. Uh, I do remember seeing ads for this one, and I just thought it looked weird. I'm like, who are these Russians? Uh, I didn't know Balls to the Wall at that time, uh, and I just thought it looked weird and un unrock and roll. But uh, now going back and listening to it, uh, I dig Russian Roulette. I don't think it's their best album, but I think it's a solid album. Uh, how about you? Very underrated album, actually. Yeah, I love this album. Uh, one of my favorite Accept songs is on this album, is Aiming High. Uh, love the hell out of that song. I love Monster Man. I think it's a great album. Yeah, it's not one of their best, of course. Uh, badly promoted, no video as far as I know. And it um, pretty much uh, destroyed the band uh, as far as uh, Udo being in the band because after this, uh, I believe it was record company pressure that made them get rid of Udo. But the weird thing of them getting rid of Udo was they said they, when they got rid of him, they were actually working on a new album. So one of the clauses of getting rid of Udo, they're like, yo, Udo, you got to go. But you know what? Take all the songs. You can use it on your first solo album. So Animal House basically was supposed to be the next Accept album. Right. And, and what a fucking album. I love Animal House. My favorite of the Udo albums. But I'll be honest, I haven't heard all the Udo albums, but holy fuck, that's an amazing album. Better than Russian Roulette. And I oh, love yeah. Russian Roulette, but yeah, there you go. I like it. I love that album. All right. Well, next up... Uh is an album that's very important to me, uh, and I absolutely loved it, which is ACDC's Who Made Who. And uh, I, I think it's funny that ACDC refuses to put out a Greatest Hits album, even though they've done kind of two albums. That would be uh, Who Made Who, and also is an Iron Man 2 soundtrack that is all ACDC, and it's basically Greatest Hits. Oh, I didn't know but, that. But, uh, but yeah, they say they'll never put out... They don't believe in greatest hits. But I'm like, you really kind of did it. Just kind of under the guise of a soundtrack. Right. But I uh, absolutely loved Maximum Overdrive uh, when it came out. I saw it at the drive-in. And I still, to this day, I can watch it over and over and over. I think it, it's great. It's cheesy. It's fun. Uh, but man, the ACDC music uh, and the way it works in the movie is fantastic. And the time Stephen King, uh, the first only movie he directed, and he was doing a shit ton of coke, and uh, he loved ACDC. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, you can use this in the soundtrack. Now the only original music for it are two instrumentals, uh, DT and Chase the Ace. And I fucking love those. Makes me wish ACDC would have done more instrumentals. Because I think those are great, and I think it's it's just a great collection. I mean, it's sad that there's only one uh, Bon era song on there. But, uh, God, what a song to put on there if you're going to put, you know, and that's the whole reason, you know, I went and bought Dirty Deeds. Even though I had heard Dirty Deeds uh, before I got any, I remember hearing that on the radio when I was a real little kid. But man, hearing right on, I was like, oh, fuck, I gotta get that. And uh, so a very special moment to me uh, for introducing me to ACDC. What did you think of Who Made Who? Uh, well, you know, I mean, uh, it wasn't bad. I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't one of my top tier albums of the, of the year. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I will agree with you. I, I did dig those instrumentals. 
which is basically the only new stuff on there. And yeah, what you were saying, they should do more instrumentals. Uh, they did do an instrumental back in the Bon Scott days. You ever heard Fling Things? Uh, is that on one of the box sets? Yeah, yeah. It was actually I... a B-side to I don't know what. And there's actual Pro Shot live footage of them playing it on YouTube. Um, it's, it's, um, it is like a national, like it's, it, it has a part in it that we all know. Like, oh man, now I can't even remember. But it's like, you know, it's an instrumental we all know that's in there, that's uh, combined with the song. Uh, it's right. great. It's called Fling Thing. And I, I'll know, check that out. It's, it was actually the B-side to Jailbreak. Ah, okay. In 1976. Yeah. And, uh, very rare, but they did put it on backtracks to box set. Nice. But yeah, I do remember those uh, instrumentals. And we recently, and I'm sure, I don't know if it's been up yet, but we recently did um, a review of uh, Razor's Edge. Yeah, Razor's Edge. And you know how I always add music from the band that we review while well, we're not talking about the album. I did put a, uh, Chase the Ace under while we were talking about something. Because <clears throat> I, I, I like that one a lot. Or was it DT? Which one comes first? Uh, D, DT, maybe? Not sure. Well, I, I, I love them fucking it, 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 it's, it's good stuff, man. But, you know, uh, very under the radar for me back then because I didn't consider it an album. And <clears throat> I can't say I hate Who Made Who. Oh, I love it. I can't say I like it either. Oh, but it's, well, it's it's better than Thunderstruck. It it's too different. That one really sound. That shit doesn't sound like ACDC as far as like the 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 groove, the production is a little too slick. But and they played it to death on MTV back then. It kind of annoyed me. But it's not bad, you know. It's not a bad song, but it's like whatever. What did you think of the movie? Are you a fan of Maximum Overdrive? I love that movie. I saw that in the theater and. Uh, and uh, I own the DVD, which brings a, another movie, which is horrible, with Arnold Schwarzenegger called Raw Deal. Oh, yeah, that is a bad one. I saw that at the drive-in, too. And I was all excited because there was a new Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And, yeah, that was bad. Can you believe I've never been to a drive-in? They don't have any in Miami, huh? They do, but i never been to one. And drive-ins oh. were very popular in the 70s. And I was always at the theater, but... Technically, I saw Phantom of the Paradise at a drive-in here in Miami, but and that was actually a drive-in, but it was a Bobo drive-in type thing. You know, it was like one of those uh, event things. It wasn't like that drive-in was legitimate. They're like, oh, we're gonna right. show Phantom of the Paradise at this place where you can park your car and watch it. So technically, and I ended up not watching it in the car because the speaker was so shitty. I, we ended up getting out and just sitting on the grass with the speaker near us to hear the movie. But there you go. All right, I'll go to the next one. <clears throat> and boy, me and Ian are going to agree on this shit, even though I know Ian's never heard it. Yeah. But holy fuck, Alcatraz Dangerous Games. What a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, my God. And I saw that tour. That was the first time I saw Grand Bonnet. What a horrible album. Terrible fucking album. Total um, uh, <clears throat> label pressure on their part. And it's just terrible. I know you've never heard it, but believe me, yeah. you. Go check it out. You'll like it. But I, I have it. I have it, and I've never listened to it. Oh, you'll like it. Check it out. It's awesome. 
Alright, well next we'll go into an album that is very, very special to me. Uh, and I admit, it's a shitty album, but I absolutely love it. That is Alice Cooper's Constrictor album. Uh, was was a comeback for him after taking a couple years off and he was newly sober. And uh, here's Alice Cooper ready for the MTV generation. Uh, he's got Kip Winger in his band and uh, Kane Roberts on guitar. And very uh, Alice goes cock rock. And, I, you know, I believe Alice did this with his solo career. Uh, you know, he came out with Welcome to My Nightmare. Uh, not my favorite Alice album, but very, uh, you know, it was of the time and it was a big album. But then I found, like, Alice would jump on whatever trend was popular. And now, you know, the the cock rock, you know, the light, the light metal, if you will, was in favor. And he came out with the Constrictor and... I knew my dad loved Alice Cooper, you know, and I saw the video for uh, He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask, and I loved Friday the 13th. Uh, my first rock show was Alice Cooper on the Constrictor Tour, and Tesla opened up, and I absolutely loved it. It was an amazing show, uh, but I remember being really mad <laughs> that he didn't play He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask, and my dad enjoyed the show. And I just, I'll never forget this as long as I live. The look of disgust he gave me when he's like, he's like, well, what'd you think? We're in the car on the way home. I'm like, he didn't play his back, the man behind the mask. And he just looked at me like he just wanted to slap the shit out of me. And he's like, he had to play that damn telephone is ringing song, but he didn't play his back. And yeah, yeah, your dad fucked up. You shouldn't slap me. Yeah, you know, now, of course, I'd much rather hear under my wheels. But, you know, I, I didn't know all that shit yet. I knew it a little bit, but, you know, my dad grew up with Cooper. You know, he'd seen Cooper fucking probably 20 times. Uh, you know, and I, I remember trying to get my dad into this era of Alice Cooper. I remember when I got uh, Raise Your Fist and Yell, uh, you know, and I gave it to my dad. Like, Dad, you got to check this out. And at the time, I don't think that album's aged very well. Uh, but we, I, I believe we are reviewing it soon uh, for a fan-picked episode. Uh, but I remember giving it to my dad and him listening to it. He's like, this isn't Alice Cooper. <laughs> this isn't my Alice Cooper. I don't know what the fuck. Because this sounds like the shit you listen to. Uh, but then again, it was Alice of the Times, you know. But, uh, man, what a fucking show. And what, you know, for a first rock show... Uh, you know, to see a legendary performer like Alice Cooper. He's been incredible every time I've seen him. But the album itself is very, uh, you know, pop, cock, rock. And I, I, I still love it, though. But I fully acknowledge it's because of memories. But, like, Life and Death of the Party. God damn, do I love that song. And probably there's a lot of Alice Cooper fans who can't stand it, but I think it's fucking Hello. Fun. <laughs> what do you think of Constrictor? Where were you when the monkey hit the fan through my gorilla? With my gorilla. <laughs> I absolutely love that one, and it's so bad. It's like the kiss meets the phantom in a song. Oh, God, that is like the worst song ever. But it's, it's hilarious. It cracks me up, though. Through my gorilla. But it does have some great moments. It's, my favorite is uh, The World Needs Guts, which... Uh, 
my short-lived band Thunderhammer covered that song, and it's on YouTube somewhere. Um, us rehearsing it, and I love that song. I love Teenage Frankenstein. That song fucking rules. Uh, and Throw My Gorilla. I can't remember anything else. Give It Up was that on there? Yeah. Yeah, that shit was terrible, but I, I, it had a little charm to it. But boy, man behind the mask. Oh my god, that shit sucks. That shit is so terrible. And uh, I saw him play it like maybe four years ago, three, four years ago. He brought it to the – because like you, uh, that was your first show, and that was your first time seeing Alice Cooper. And that was my first time seeing Alice Cooper who was on the Constrictor Tour. And I saw it on New Year's Eve uh, with that douchebag Vinnie Vincent opening. And uh, I'm all the way up front. And, you know, at this time, Alice Cooper was sober. But when the clock struck midnight, he said Happy New Year like three minutes or four minutes later, and his eyes were bloodshot red. Maybe it was because, I don't know, whatever other reason, maybe he was sober. And he didn't look fucked up during it, but I was close enough to see. Boy, his eyes are red. And he fucked up with, he was like, Happy New Year! And it's like, you know, because they started playing schools out, and it was like, uh, and you heard the whole place erupt halfway through the song because it was 12 o'clock. But Alice didn't notice, and he said Happy New Year after it was done. But, uh, oh, man, what a show. Woo! Damn, dude, that was awesome. The Nightmare Returns tour. and uh, But, you know, I mean, I love Raise Your Fist and Yell. I think that's a great, I don't think that shit's cock rock at all. That shit's some good fucking traditional metal right there. And I wish this album was more like that. You had hints of it with World Needs Guts and Teenage Frankenstein to an extent. It's a fun album. Uh, I mean, I'll put it on here and there for for a laugh. But, uh, but boy, man. man behind, and that was the video. Man yeah. Behind the Mask. And they would show it a lot. With that, yeah, that, that close-up of Alice. In the fucking cage. I mean, that shit. I mean, I love bad videos, but that one I don't love. I thought that was like a little too bad. It wasn't, it wasn't bad in a good way. But um, but you know what? Whatever. Alice was back. He brought an amazing show. And I really dig the album cover with the snake on his mouth. And, oh, yeah. yeah Classic. It's, it's a cool fucking album cover. All right. What's next? Uh, well, here's one you might know. Uh, I am not familiar uh, but Black and Blue put out Nasty Nasty, their third studio album. And I know you are a Black and Blue fan. Yes, and but you see, I'm really a big fan of uh, the first album. But every album Black and Blue has released, I've always liked a song here and there. And Nasty Nasty, I really dug the title track, which I believe Gene Simmons uh, wrote that song. Uh, there's another song on there called Best in the West I really liked. And uh, I, there was a couple, there was not one too, but the video for this album was terrible. Uh, a song called "I'll Be There for You," <laughs> which is the only song on the album uh, not produced by Gene Simmons. He produced the rest of the album, but that song in particular was written and produced by your friend Jonathan Kane. Well, oh, there you go. Wow, that makes sense. Ugh. And you know who appears on this album is Peter Chris. Uh, he does vocals on Best in the West. I believe with Ron Keel, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. Really, they didn't let him play drums. 
Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. They must have had a drummer. But it's weird, you know, it's like, it shows you, uh, Gene was in touch with, uh, with uh, oh. Peter Chris in 1986. Oh, yeah. Well, Gene also helped him out on his solo albums. You know, those first two, I think he was involved too, so. Oh, there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not for sure on the, on the first one, for sure, but the second one, he had written a song, and I think Vinnie Vincent had something to do with the song on the second one, too. Oh, um, yeah, Tears. I love that song. Yeah. Amazing fucking song. Uh, and I love the, the Peter Chris version. It's great. Yeah, so I think he was always, you know, I, I think there was a side of Gene that always felt sorry for Peter and tried to help him out. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, and there's also a song in the song called 12 O'Clock High that I absolutely love because I just clicked on the track listing. I forgot that one. That one may be my favorite, better than Best in the West. Uh, yeah, Black and Blue, yeah, they're a third-tier band. They didn't really, they weren't groundbreaking. They didn't really do anything original, but I really dug them, and I really highly recommend that first album, Show Me the Night, uh, what is it? Chains Around Heaven, oh my God. Auto Blast, which I ripped off with our theme song, uh, Out of Control, that starts our show. The yes. middle section of that show is a total ripoff of the middle section of uh, Auto Blast. Uh, anyway, and, and uh, there's another piece of Auto Blast I used in Demons. <laughs> I figured, who the fuck's going to know this? And yet, oh look, Wake Up, Smell the Thrash is a ripoff of an Oreo Speedwagon song. And I played it for a guy I know. And he's like, I don't hear it at all. I was like, good. But believe me, that shit's a total ripoff of Sophisticated Lady off the first album. Anyway, all right. We're done with Black and Blue. Um, all right. We'll go into the one that we, we reviewed once. Was that the one? No. We actually reviewed Eternal Idols and it, and it crashed. We don't have yes. that one anymore. But we yes. did review Seven Star. Yes. And if you want to know what Ian and I think of that, Go listen to the review, you lazy fuck. All right. Bon Phony released their big hit. Slippery, yes. Slippery went wet that year. And yes. uh, I believe you bought it, right, Ian? Uh, <clears throat> not only did I buy it, I bought into it. <clears throat> I absolutely loved it uh, for a while. Uh, but they were the first hard rock band, I would say, that I grew out of. Uh, it, it was a phenomenon. Uh, you know, for those who were around, I mean, that album blew the fuck up and it was a big deal. And I remember, I don't know why I didn't go, but a lot of my friends went and saw, uh, the tour. But I mean, shit, I was still in junior high, but it was Cinderella and, and Bon Jovi. And, uh, for whatever reason, I didn't go, but I loved that album at the time. And still to this day, it has the only Bon Jovi song that I still like. Uh, there's a song called, uh, Let It Rock. That I, that I still love to this day, but again, it has to do with a memory of, uh, you know, it was a big deal when I was a kid when the fair would come into town every summer. And, you know, you would see, you know, all the kids would come together, and, you know, some kids you wouldn't see during the summer. And, you know, but everybody would meet up at the fair. And uh, I just remember, you know, it was like the first year that I got dropped off, you know, that I wasn't there with my, you know, parents or grandparents or something, you know, but just dropped off. We're running around. We're sneaking cigarettes and shit. We're trying to pick up girls. And uh, I remember getting waiting to get on line on this ride. One of the ones where you sit in a car, you just go in a fucking circle like most of the rides. But I remember him playing uh, Let It Rock. And just like everybody getting into it, getting excited and, you know, shit. I mean, we were like 12, 13. We just wanted to finger bang a girl. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just a, 
you know, feeling like you're an adult, but you're nowhere near a fucking adult. Uh, so it's just a special memory, but the rest of that shit, I can't listen to it now. And, uh, I remember when the next album, New Jersey came out, uh, I, I bought it cause Hey, it's the new Bon Jovi. And I just hated it. And I was done with Bon Jovi. Then I was like, uh, this is girl shit. You know, like, uh, I don't, I don't like this anymore. I never heard Slippery Well Wet. That's why I can't really uh, comment on it. <clears throat> Are I you heard, serious? Yeah, I never heard the whole album. I heard wow the, the three songs, and I did hear that one song that's in Spaceballs. Um, there is a song from that album, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember which one uh, now. It, it's, dude, when that came out in Spaceballs, I was like, man, that's a pretty cool riff. And then, you know, the vocals came in, and then, you know, it materialized to be shit. It started off with a cool riff. Uh, but I will say, I never heard this song, Let It Rock, but I, I do have something positive to say about it. It's a better title than Rock Your Heart Out. <laughs> <laughs> well, then probably Candle Mass would be the one you want to talk about. Though. Oh, my God. Not only the first album, but my favorite, even though it doesn't feature the iconic Messiah on vocals, but Candle Mass, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus. Holy fuck. And I was so fucking happy that I saw the original fucking singer, Jonan Langvist, I can't pronounce his name, uh, uh, joined, I mean, was with uh, Candlemas on the 70 Tons of Metal Cruise where they played this song in its entirety. I was like, oh my, it was a dream come true. And I'm a big fan of early Candlemas. I even like, you know, chapter four, which was... Uh, Candlemas trying to be Black Sabbath with Dio, you know? Because this shit's total doom, and oh man, if there's anything I would totally recommend. I don't know, we haven't gone through the list yet, but this one so far is the most recommendable on this list so far is uh, this album. Solitude, Demon's Gate, Crystal Ball, oh my god, Under the Oak? Oh fuck, what an amazing, amazing fucking album. I absolutely love Love, love this album. And I did not discover it in 1986. I think it was like maybe 88 by that time. Because I heard the Messiah stuff first. But I absolutely love this album. And, you know, then the next one, Nightfall, is fucking amazing. And, and, and fucking, uh, what was the one after that? God damn it. Oh, Ancient Dreams. Woo! A three-way kick-ass uh, fucking, uh, I lo- I'm a big Candlemas fan. Awesome. Uh, they're a band that... <clears throat> I'd always heard of, uh, but never really checked out till probably about a year ago. Uh, and I just listened to a few tracks here and there, but I really dug it. And as a matter of fact, uh, the great Mike Sears was listening to my radio show the other week, and he wanted to hear some Candlemass. Uh, and on my show, I let you pick the band or the artist, but not the song. And I was like, well, uh, I know he likes the, the early Candlemass, but let's see what they're doing now, because they just recently put out an EP. And I'm like, hey, let me put it on and, and see what it's like. And I forget the name of the song I played. I just picked one, you know, I just went by the name, whatever sounded cool to me. And I thought it was a great fucking song. But this is a band I definitely uh, need to check out more. I like what I've heard as far as, like, you know, the Doom stuff. I definitely prefer, you know, Candlemass and St. Vitus uh, to Trouble, which we recently reviewed. Uh, but I, I definitely want to get in more into this band. And this album in particular, I just got to say, 
I love the cover to this album. It's just so fucking metal. Yeah. That that skull with the shit sticking through, and I, I have, just like I have that shirt. It's, it yeah, ju- with with a cross. Yeah, yeah. It just screams fucking metal, and uh, I need to dig more into them. But I I like what I've heard. Yeah, it, That's the, the, the music really does uh, capture that album cover. It's doom. It's fucking. It's just great, and it has like good melody, good singing, and but it's very very dark. Such a dark band. I love them. Right on. Well, the next uh, one is a band that I know you love, and I love a certain member of this band, and that's Carnivore. Wait, wait. You're going to tell me you don't like Carnivore? I like Carnivore. Oh, my God, I, I, you're gay. I like Carnivore. I love Typo Negative. Wow. I mean, I can understand love and Typo Negative, but love and Tyco, type Tyco. <laughs> Wasn't that a bike? <laughs> yeah. Tycho. Uh, I, I can understand love and typo negative, but love and typo negative and just liking Carnivore, I think you really need to listen to this more. Uh, this is great. I mean, I'll admit, I like re- Retaliation a little bit more, but man, this one has, I'm a meat eater. You know, Carnivore. Yeah. I'm a, and fucking well, God is dead. USA for USA. Yeah. It, it it does have my, my favorite carnivore song of all time is is God is Dead, and not, and not just because of the title. I I, I love the song. Uh, I I do I, I like it, and maybe it's simply a case of uh, what you what you heard first. You know, uh, I had I'd never even fucking heard of Carnivore until after I was I was well you know a huge fan of Typo Negative. And I was like, what's this carnivore shit? I'd never heard it once again, though. It was on Roadrunner. Uh, you know, there was no videos. Uh, but I know there's a lot of people that are like you. They're like, oh, I'm all about carnivore. Fuck typo. I like carnivore. Nah, I'm not going to say fuck typo. I do have respect for it. I just can't get into it. You know? I don't hate it. Right. And I have a lot, and, you know, and I've gone on record many times to say typo negative did the greatest Black Sabbath cover I've ever heard from my favorite band. The right. band that did the best covers was uh, Typo Negative. Right. You know? I mean, I uh. respect it, but yeah. I, I, and it's not one of those, well, you know, it's not one of those machine head things. Oh, fuck yeah. that guy. He was in violence and now he's doing this shit. Right. It's nothing like that at all because I have a lot of respect for Peter Steele and not because he's dead. I mean, uh, but, you know, I was a little bit more into Lord Petra Steele. <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to come off sounding like <clears throat> I don't, uh, like carnivore cause I do. I just, I put, I mean, Jesus Christ, I got, you know, the typo negative logo tattooed on my arm. They were a huge, uh, huge band for me, just very different. <clears throat> and, and I loved it. I loved the Beatlesque nature of it and the Gothic nature of it. Uh, but then again, I like the cure, so. <clears throat> but uh oh and dude and, and they were so politically incorrect oh yeah they oh, were re- so like male supremacy and shit like that suck yeah. my dick well suck my dick was actually on the next album but uh if you get the reissue it brings the demo for suck my dick and uh i believe usa for usa and, and and i don't know if if that's what it is i mean i like you know i love metal and i love punk but like kind of like the the, the mixture like the hardcore kind of thing um, there's stuff that I like but it's, it was never like a favorite genre of mine and lyrically 
I, I, I don't know. It, it just kind of came off like too, uh, like jokey. But I guess that's because I was so used to typo negative. And it was, so, I, I think it's purely a case of, you know, what I got into first. Uh, that kind of like, well, this ain't typo negative, you know. But it's not bad. Like I said, I like this band. It's just I'm just such a huge typo fan. Uh, but I did, and I definitely recommend people check it out. And I've played God is Dead, uh, you know, on uh, on my radio show. And I love re- Retaliation. It opens up with Jack Daniels and pizza. And oh, that's, that's right. That's gross. <laughs> I just love throwing it. Throwing up. That's <laughs> throwing up and shit. It sounds like <laughs> sounds... the end of one of our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but very influential. A lot of New York bands uh, cite what a what an influence Carnivore was. Uh, so they definitely have their their cult following. They did a couple reunions before Peter Steele died. And as a matter of fact, I believe there is a version of Carnivore that plays now that has, you know, some of the other members. Uh, I forget who's singing. But, uh, uh, yeah, check them out, man. Definitely Carnivore. Alright, well, the next one is just a hugely influential album on me. Uh, because this album along with Kiss Asylum is what cemented me uh, on my path. And I, I really have a hard time putting one more important than the other uh, and that's Cinderella's Night Songs uh, I just remember I, I used the weekends I used to spend at my, my Wadley grandparents uh, they lived in the city they had uh, you know th- they had cable I could watch MTV uh, you know so I'd always go to their place on the weekends and I'll just never forget it was a Friday much like we're recording now and uh, you know, can't wait to get there. I go down to the basement. I'm like, oh, I gotta watch MTV, and I turn it on and I see the video for Nobody's Fool, and I was just fucking lord. Uh, I thought they looked cool as fuck. I mean, you gotta remember, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Kiss and Cinderella. I thought that's how metal bands looked because I'm just getting into it, and I think that's how they look. But I didn't see it as fucking queer. I didn't see it as they, they look. I mean, I, I was young. I didn't, I didn't even know fucking really gay. You know, I was just like, wow, I don't know any people who dress like that. Look at how bright it is. That's kind of fucking neat. Listen to this music. It's so much, you know, dirtier and, and grittier than what I hear on the radio. Even though if it seems like light nowadays, compared to, you know, hearing Steve Winwood on the fucking radio, this shit was fucking dirty. Uh... You know, but oh man, I, I couldn't believe ran out and got it, and I just listened to this album over and over and over, and I believe uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think Eric Brittenham is going to be at the expo. He was supposed to be there last year, and he I forget who he tours with now. He plays bass for somebody that tours a lot, uh, and he and he couldn't make it, and I hope he makes it this year because. I want to pick this up on vinyl, and I want him to, to sign it, just so I can tell him, like, hey, man, this this album really meant something to me. And it was the first, uh, no, not the first, I'm sorry, it was the second CD that I bought. I still have my original copy, uh, but I originally got it on cassette. Uh, but, man, this just meant everything to me, man. This was a really, really great album, and I know a lot of people that don't even like Cinderella that like this album. Hello. And, uh, man, it's just, I mean, this really, really fucking shaped me and changed what I was listening to. 
And uh, I didn't know that it was considered lighter than Iron Maiden. I didn't even fucking know Iron Maiden. I knew their posters. I didn't know their music. I mean, this was just way different than what I grew up on. And, uh, and I think it still stands up. I think it's great songs, uh, great sing. I love his voice. Uh, Tom Keeper, great songwriter, great singer. And <laughs> I'll never forget, in my grandparents' basement, uh, I used to play drums, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to play guitar now. So I got this guitar, and I'm, you know, just, uh, it was the thing, like, guitar was so hard to learn, I'd get frustrated, and I just wanted to hold the guitar. You know, and just, you know, strum the strings and not even have it plugged in, just fucking play it. And watching Jeff Labar, you know, slide the guitar around himself and, and keep playing it. So I do that in my grandparents' basement, which the ceiling was like uh, tongue and groove, uh, like ceiling tile. <laughs> and it wasn't that high a ceiling. But I'm just standing in front of the TV watching, uh, watching the video and I hit the bottom of the guitar to slide it around, and the neck of the guitar went right into the fucking ceiling. <laughs> Damn near picked me up a little bit, you know, because I'm like fucking 12. I'm like, oh, shit, I just fucked up the whole ceiling, you know, and probably the guitar. Uh, but, man, I just wanted to look cool like fucking Jeff Labar. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, the, the, the memories... And everything, but I, I'm still proud to say how much I think it stands up still. So, uh, great fucking album, in my book. Yeah, you know that I love this one, uh, and this is not really in my wheelhouse as far as image goes. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of the album cover, and it looks very ridiculous now as it did back then in my eyes. But it did look cool back then to other people. Uh, but uh, I dig this album, man. Night songs, nothing for nothing, hell on wheels. Uh, back, back, what is it? Back home again or something like that? Yeah. I'm back! Oh yeah, Tom Kiefer's amazing. And I, personally, I think he's a better guitar player than uh, Jeff Labar. Just like I think uh, Michael Sweet's a better guitar player than Oz Fox. But, yeah, I really, really dig this album. They lost me after this because they wanted credibility, like Great White and all these bands going a little more bluesy. And I really hate that. It's like, dude... You really rock when you're fucking trying to be yourself. Stop trying to get credibility. I thought Night Songs was a great fucking album. I did get goofed a lot because, let's face it, it's a horrible name for a band. Yeah, that's a bad one. It's a bad name for a band. And a little fun fact, Gene Simmons discovered them first before Bonfone. Oh, yes. Just ask him. I'll tell you. Yeah. How do you think I know? And, uh, but, yeah, it's a great album. Horrible image. I saw them on that tour, open for David Lee Roth twice, and I saw I saw Cinderella so many times back in the day. I only saw them headline once, way after the fact, like 2010. But I saw them open for Priest, uh, David Lee Roth, uh, two times. I mean, three times really, because I saw Eat 'Em and Smile tour twice, and I saw um, uh, Little Ain't Enough. They opened yeah. that tour. I and, saw them open up that tour. And they opened up the Ram It, Out, Ram it Down tour for Judas Priest. The final show at the epic Hollywood Sportatorium. And uh, they were great live, too. It was a good oh, was yeah. a good band. And they're still a good band. I mean, they're no longer around, but in 2010, they still rock. But, man, let me tell you, I saw the Tom Kiefer band. I enjoyed it as much as Cinderella. It was awesome. It was really, really good. I mean, it's like 10 people on stage, but still, they fucking were really, really good. 
All right, so we'll go into the next one. Let's see here. CJSS is ah, on those cities. City. Yeah. Annihilation Absolute. Yeah. I'll never forget hearing, oh, what's it? Shades of Black off my metal shop. And made me run out by the album. I bought the album. I'm like, holy shit, it's AJ Pero. Uh, or Piro. Um, on this album. And uh, huh? wow, what a great album. And funny story about this bass player who joined Anvil later. Uh, before he joined Anvil, I saw him play with a Van Halen tribute band where the David Lee Roth guy had a tramp stamp. I shit you not, a guy with a tramp stamp. Oh, I know a few. Uh, really? Yeah. You know, oh, then again, I'm not the one that frequents glory holes. But I'm but uh, I love City. I love this album. It's fucking awesome. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you recently purchase this? Yes, I got this on my birthday. Uh, I went to uh, Miss May's, which is the, uh, uh, it's a 24-hour bar, cheapest drink in New Orleans, and it just happens to be next to Peach's Records. And I sat there, got drunk, waiting for the record store to open. And uh, this is one of the, I bought, th I got this used, and I got... Uh, Frank, uh, Frank Marino. I got Juggernaut, too. Ah, good. Two good albums. Yeah, great talk, great talk about a good one. What else? Did I, oh, I got uh, the Stooges Funhouse, and I, th and I got Prince Purple Rain. It was a good record day. But I, I, I was very happy to see this one. Uh, you know, of course, it, it was used, but in pretty goddamn good shape. And I didn't know this one uh, until you told me about it. But, man, once I heard it, I was like, that's some goddamn good traditional metal, man. I dig that shit. A lot of people that know about cities, they really praise them. Uh, I got a, I got this shirt thanks to Alex Marquez. I think in uh, when he was in tour somewhere, there, there was a, a store that had cities, Annihilation Absolute, on, and they didn't have it in like uh, seventeen extra large. They only had it in extra. Uh, they only had it in large, and he bought it for me, and I thank him for that. But uh, nice. yeah, it's a great album. Uh, I highly recommend that one. All right, I, how about Chromags? You know Age of Coral? Uh, I I know it is a very well respected album, but uh, again, it's one that I have, but I haven't listened to yet because I'm kind of, you know, not that I hate hardcore, but it's just it's not my favorite genre of punk, if you will. I'm more of a traditionalist, but. Uh, but I do know it's very well respected. What do you think of it? Well, I am not the biggest hardcore punk band, punk fan either. But this is the greatest hardcore punk album I ever heard in my life. Uh, this shit I, is. I hear that. It's fucking amazing. I'm not. I've heard other Chromags and it's like whatever. But this album, The Age of Coral, man, hard times. Uh, Oh, what's that other song? Oh, man. Now I got to look it up. There's another song on here I absolutely love. Um, oh, We Gotta Know is on here. Yeah, that's the opening track. Right? Street Justice. But, yeah, Hard Times. And it's probably the most popular one on here. Oh, Seek the Truth. Seek of, Seek of the Truth. God, so a sign of the time. No, it's, I, I highly recommend anybody out there that, you know, if you're like, yeah, I don't mind, the, you know, the hardcore punk, and you don't know this, you definitely got to check this out. And something that I'm pretty sure you don't know because this is really fucking obscure but I absolutely love the Crumb Suckers. This album Life of Dreams, holy fuck is this fucking good. I own it on vinyl and it was in my record store uh, when I used to have a record store and uh, 
It's fucking great. They had another one, I think, before called Beast on My Back or after. I don't know. That was really good, too. But that right there is my favorite uh, Crumb Suckers album that I heard. And it's it's up there. It's like two. And it's like hardcore punk shit, but it's fucking great. And I'm going to go even again. I'm sorry. Yeah, but shit. There's three hardcore fucking great albums on here. Cryptic Slaughter is fucking convicted. Oh, my God. What a great year. This fucking album. <laughs> and you were bitching about 86. <laughs> huh? Yeah, and you yeah. were a bitch when I first picked it. Yeah, we haven't gotten into shit yet. It's, it's, it's only Bon Jovi so far. <laughs> but yeah, Cryptic Slaughter, which uh, I am uh, proud to say uh, I'm buddies with their singer because uh, he really took a liking to me when we did our East Coast tour and we toured with um, Vermock. Vermock. I don't know how you pronounce it. Vermock. Yeah, I love Vermont too. They're fucking awesome. One of the ma- most amazing drummers you ever see in my life is that guy. But anyway, um, they had him tour with them where they would do some cryptic slaughter songs, and Ryan would jump up on stage and sing with them. They always have Ryan come up and sing. Uh, cool guy, very nice guy, and I always, I don't know, I I have this on vinyl, the Convicted album that I had way back in the day. And uh, again, it's, it's three hardcore punk bands in a row on this list. Alphabetically, they're right next to each other. And I've heard of all of them, but not their music. Yeah, but I, course, I'm familiar with the yeah. bands. I'd say Chromags is the best of the three. Then Cryptic Slaughter, but fuck it. Trump Suckers, Life of Dreams is awesome. How about Darkness Ascends? Uh, now, this is a band, uh, again, I've heard so much like, Oh my God! These guys are legendary, so influential. Uh, I, I listened to a couple of songs a while ago, and I could not get into it. It was just too uh, pummeling. Yeah, it, it, it was just too. Yeah, pummeling's a, a great word. Like I, I just couldn't hear. I couldn't hear the song. You know what I mean? It was just like. But I, I got a feeling, you know, because the older I, it's funny, the older I get, the more I get into shit like that. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it, 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 it's the opposite. People like grow out of shit like that. And I actually, uh, my taste and my acceptance for shit like that, I, I, I can take it more. So I need to go back and check them out. Uh, but I rem- I can't remember if that was my only issue. I don't know if it was like, I didn't like the singer as well. That could have been. But I just remember it was. It was too, like, you know, there was no hook. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no breakdown. It was just... You know? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure very influential. But it just, you know, I, I wasn't humming along. But I, I do uh, I do know they're very well respected and, and very well loved. So... Uh, you know, I'm not going to bag on it. Maybe it's just not me. Well, I happen to think it's uh, the greatest thrash metal album up there with Violence, Eternal Nightmare, and, and uh, Rain and Blood. Uh, Darkness Ascent is definitely a game changer. Yeah, they had another one before it called We Have Arrived. And the next one is, I'd say, like, just barely as, uh, almost as good. But Darkness Ascent, the title track, dude, fucking Merciless Death, Perishing Flames. Death is certain, life is not. You know, the burning of Sodom. I mean, this whole album, beginning to end, it's a fucking masterpiece. It's what they considered, they they, they, they considered it caffeine metal. Uh, but it's a fucking thrash-ass album, and I need to get this on vinyl. 
because my vinyl's so worn out, it's unlistenable. Oh, good. Finally, an album I can buy for you, though. There you go. Look for uh, a new copy, please. Okay. Uh, yeah, because mine is so worn out, I can't play it anymore. But, oh, my God, yeah. This is uh, definitely uh, an album up there that, uh, you know, when it comes to thrash, I, I, I would pick this over Master of Puppets easily. Wow. It's, it's that good to me. I just think this is... And I'm not trying to be like countercultural because Master of Puppets to me is the greatest metallic album. I mean, now it is. Sometimes it's kill them all. But uh, I love Darkness Ascent. I think this album is fucking pummeling, uh, great. But you know, I'm more into the more uh, you know cutthroat, ruthless uh, thrash more than the more accessible, uh, you know, uh, you know, sanitarium, blah blah blah, you know. Uh, you know, like if you listen to Damage Inc., I mean, that that's the type of thrash I love. And this whole album is a Damage Inc., you know, and uh, I think it's amazing. It's great. Uh, I And in my warped fucking head, I find this album very catchy. You know? All right. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what. I will check that out tonight. I will give it a spin when we're done. Yeah, you should. You, yeah, well, you know, give it several spins. Maybe it's still, I think this is something you may have to grow into, you know. But right. you see, you see, if you were raised during this year at my age, right. like you were getting so upset with your gods doing your ultimate sin and all and turbo that right. you wanted something heavy. And then you get these bands that are just yeah. heavier than the heavy that you. Oh, yeah. And, and I went through that in the 90s, uh, you know, when when Metallica turned their back on me, when Megadeth turned their back on me, I was getting into heavier shit. So. I, I, I do understand that line of thinking that, you know, the bands that you thought would never betray you, betray you. And then you're just like, oh, I got to find the heavier. So I, I totally get that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I definitely recommend this album to anybody that likes the brutal. But we'll go to a band that I got to see live. And oh, my God, they just blew me away. And a uh, very influential German thrash band, Destruction. Oh my god, they were so good. They were so fucking good. Uh, I got to see him with Sepultura, and it was great because it was like, wasn't far from my house, and it was so funny because it was at the biggest hipster bar uh, that kind of, for a very short period, uh, decided they were going to start hosting like metal shows and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, you got a bunch of metal kids, you know, fucking beating the shit out of kids with, uh, you know, long beards and fucking man buns and shit. Uh, but I got to admit, I feel like a little bit of a poser because I bought a Destruction uh, Eternal Devastation t-shirt. Uh, because, man, I, I, I'd always heard about the album. Uh, and I really loved their show. But then I went and I listened to that album and... I don't know if it's the production or what, but uh, I'm definitely a fan of, of later day destruction more. Uh, but I think it's something I, I need to go back and revisit because I think I would get into them more. But uh, it just sounded so crude when I listened to it, you know, just the, the whole production and everything. But man, if you get to see them come uh, around live and go, uh, you know, and I got to see like, you know, great, you know, Schmear back with them and everything. And it was really really great show but this is an album uh i definitely need to listen to more but uh man don't miss them live that's for goddamn sure what do you think of eternal destruction or devastation sorry it's fucking a masterpiece and 
uh, in the same level of, you know, like, uh, yeah, of course you're not going to like this because you didn't like Darkness Ascend. I mean, this is, these guys are no different than Sodom and Creator. You listen yeah. to their early stuff, it's much more raw and, and they well, well, kind of. With Sodom, with Sodom, I had no problem with the earlier no, no, shit. Really? They're, they're the most, dude, that shit sounds like crazy black metal, that early stuff. Well, I, I, I guess what I, I well, I guess uh, I, I'm not going early enough. I mean, when I, whatever, the earliest Sodom that I'm really, really into is Agent Orange. No, no, uh, before, no, Agent oh, yeah. Orange. Yeah, they, they polished up. Dude, listen to Executioner uh, and, yeah. uh, dude, they were so, they were the most raw of the, and they're the, my favorite of all the. Oh, mine uh, too. Uh, of the, the then Destruction, then Creator. Right. I love them all. But uh, all three of those bands were much different in the early days. Right. They're more polished now, but they're still amazing. I still think they, I mean, Creator, they did go through a kind of like, I didn't like that, what was it called? Endo or some shit during the. Uh, right? end, end game or something. <laughs> no, like, no, it was Endo. End, uh, Endorama or something that's like that. That's it, Endorama, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. They kind of they like softened up a. Well, yeah, out of all the bands, Creator, I mean, they went through, like, damn near Nine Inch Nails phase. Yeah. I mean, they, they went through all kinds of shit. Uh, but I, I, I really lo- I love all different eras of uh, Creator. But, yeah, the earlier shit is the hardest for me to get into. But, uh, you know, I think I just need to give it more time. But, man, Destruction. Oh, destruction go, go, go see them live, man. Yeah. That's, that's all I got to say. Even if... If you're not into that earlier uh, era, particularly of German thrash, uh, see them now because they they are it will change your mind. Trust me for for a guy that likes fucking Bang Tango, I love Destruction. <laughs> you know, good shit, man. Real Schmier good. Shit. is awesome too. Super nice guy. Oh, they were really nice guys, and I was I was right up front, dude. And they're like just slapping hands with me during the whole show, and just and they knew like I didn't know any fucking songs. But they could tell I was getting into it, man, and they're just like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, I mean, super, super nice guys. Yeah, they're awesome. All right, uh, Dio Intermission. Yes, uh, this is the first Dio album that I waited for uh, because I had heard uh, Sacred Heart uh, again. Man, I'll, I'll never forget. There, there's two albums uh, that came out. Well, I guess Sacred Heart. Yeah, Sacred Heart was '85. But I remember very vividly going to this place called Hornsby's. Uh, it was like a big, like like a Kmart type store, and I went and bought uh, Dio Sacred Heart and Ingve Malmsteen's Trilogy the same day, uh, and I, and I fell in love with Dio, you know. And I didn't I didn't know he was in Black Sabbath. I only knew Black Sabbath because my dad had some Black Sabbath records. Uh, I wasn't into that, you know, to the old school shit yet. I was into what was on MTV. And I saw the video for Rock and Roll Children, and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I love this. And I, I, I love Sacred Heart when it first came out. Now I'm kind of like, eh. But I was waiting for this to come out, and that's when I was still kind of eh on live albums. But I just remember, oh, he's got a new song called Time to Burn, you know, and I was like, oh, well, I, I at least want to hear that. And I and I knew it was cheap because it was an EP. I was like, oh, wow, I can I can afford that. Uh, I overall, I think it's OK. 
Uh, Time to Burn, I liked a lot better when I was younger than I do now. I mean, I still enjoy it, but it's a little too light in the loafers. Uh, and those songs, I'd, I'd much rather heard, uh, you know, Vivian than Grey Goldie. But at the time, I didn't know no better. I, I thought it was cool. I don't think it's essential, uh, but it's it's interesting for what it is. What do you think, Intermission? Yeah, I don't care for it, to tell you the truth. Um, I wasn't a fan of Sacred Heart either. That was where I was like, oh, man. Oh, I what bet. The I what bet. the fuck happened? Oh, it has Just Another Day and uh, King of Rock and Roll. I love those songs. But the rest was just... Oh, and I even liked the commercial Hungry for Heaven. But, yeah. Uh, no, I love that. Yeah, I like that song. But Rock and Roll Children, I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Uh, it's just not my bag, man. But uh, let's keep going because I don't like talking bad about the... Uh, all right. Well, the next one is one uh, I don't know if either one of us like this shit, but we got to talk about it because the shit was huge. And that's Europe, the final countdown. <laughs> Were you a uh, a fan of Europe prior to this, or did you know of Europe? No, this is the first time I heard Europe, and I hated this. Uh, I actually somehow acquired this album. I don't know how. Uh, I didn't. I don't like it all. But Ruben turned me on to the first one. Wings of Tomorrow, I think it's called. It's really good. Uh, I think that's the, the, the second one. All right, then the second yeah. one was really good. The album before this was fucking awesome. Uh, I really dug it. And I like the song Superstitious that came out later. Yes. But, yes. but this uh, this song is just, I mean, this album and song is just not, not my bag, man. Right. Well, it's one of those, I, I mean, you couldn't escape it. And I, I got, back then, I didn't hate it. But I never, I never bought this album, and it got real big. I mean, you had this, you had Cherokee, uh, you had Carrie, and 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 I listened to a lot of crap that sounded like that. But I still never went out and bought this. And uh, oh, Rock the Night, uh, you know, there there's four hits off that album. Uh, oh, it was huge. Yeah, but but I but I never bought it. I thought it had a cool album cover too, but I never bought it. But I'll never forget, even as a kid, I was like, oh, what a horrible sign this is. They did, uh, you remember when MTV used to do, like, the Saturday night concerts? They'd yeah. always show, like, Kiss Animal Eyes and the, and the uh, Twisted uh, Sister. Sister one, yeah. Well, they, they had one with Europe. And Europe starts out with the final countdown. First song they play. Yeah, and they ended it, yeah. And then they ended with it, too. I was like... That's sad. <laughs> when yeah. you gotta play the same song twice. I Who even knew band god damn I saw a band recently. Oh keep going. I saw a band recently that just did that. It was one of those novelties. Yeah. But I I was like, oh man, that's that's not good. But I was curious to see if uh if you were a fan or you knew about them prior because, you know, uh you know, those first two albums, Europe and Wings of Tomorrow. Uh, are held in very high esteem in, uh, you know, the European metal scene. And, it, you know, even, I don't know if you'd call it power metal, but it was much closer to traditional metal. And I went back and tried to listen to it one day. Uh, I don't know if it was the first one of Rings of Tomorrow. And it, it just, it didn't grab me. It was definitely a different vibe than Final Countdown. Uh, you know, closer to traditional British heavy metal. Uh but it really didn't do anything for me. Oh, yeah, whatever. But let's talk about an album that I, I think is is really fucking killer. And it 
I first discovered this one not through hearing it, but through seeing it in the movie I just talked about, Trick or Treat. And that's Exciters Unveiling the Wicked. Oh my God, I, I remember his mom flipping through the records and being disgusted. And they, they show the cover for this, and I just thought, oh, awesome, it's V. You know, because I loved that show when I was a kid. Uh, but I, I never heard this shit till probably about maybe eight years ago or so. I was finally like, oh, Exciter, that's that band they show in Trick or Treat. And I had Mr. X get them for me. And then I was like, holy fuck, this band is awesome. I fucking love me some fucking Exciter, dude. I mean, I really dig these guys. Probably one of my favorite Canadian metal bands. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I love them too, but I don't like this album. Uh, this is where they lost me. Uh, I hate school rules. So I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Uh, I got to listen to this again because I'm like, oh, shit. I have this on vinyl. I remember back in the 80s listening to this and I was like, dude, this ain't Exciter to me, but I yeah. haven't heard it since well, the 80s. I, mean, I do own the vinyl, though. Like, Violence and Force is my favorite. Yeah, dude. That and Heavy Metal Maniac and, and the little EP, Feel the Knife. I mean, right. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, like, to tell you the truth, I'm, I'm looking at the songs on this one. I was like, oh, shit, I think I remember the cover more than the album. I was like, maybe I need to go back and listen to this. Because, I, I mean, if, if ever I'm putting on Exciter, it's Heavy Metal Maniac or Violence and Force. But I've, I've listened to some other shit, like even some of the later day shit. I liked it. Maybe I need to go back to this one. I don't know. Maybe they got too. Was it Cock Rocky? I'm looking at the song titles. I was like, maybe it did. <laughs> it, was, it was more stupid, like toned down, trying to be more commercial. Right. I wouldn't go as far to say Cock Rock, but it it did it did have its moments. I remember. I was like, okay, you know, there's like a song or two on there that reminded me of Exciter, but. I don't know. It was just a step down for me. I wasn't were, really feeling this one. Were you uh, were you familiar with them before this album? Oh, of course. I owned okay. uh, Violence and Force and Heavy Metal Maniac and Feel the Knife EP before that and Long Live the Loud. I owned them all. How, how, I, how did you discover this? them? Exciter I discovered with uh, going to Open Book Records and they always had these albums that I would buy because of the album cover. And I took my chance on Heavy Metal Maniac. And that's how, you know, a lot of bands were like that. Like uh, uh, Slayer's Show No Mercy. I saw that album cover. I was like, ooh, this looks cool. I'm going to get it. Right. Ra- Raven, you know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, a lot of albums, I, I yeah. just saw the album cover. So that's how I just, Exciter was one of those bands I was happy to t- t- uh, turn my fans on to, my right. friends on to. You, you lucked out because it's funny. I remember being young and buying stuff just because the album cover. You know what album I bought just because the album cover? Right. Pretty Boy Floyd. I, I thought it looked cool. I was like, that looks like a Kiss album cover. Only they don't have makeup. That was one of the worst fucking albums I ever bought in my life. Good Man, God. I, I, I saw that, what, set the world on fire or something yeah. in the video. I was like, holy fuck, are these guys dumb? Oh, no, I, I, I bought it before the video even came out. I saw an ad for the album and I was just like, Oh yeah, I gotta have this. And then I was like, oh, what? What? Terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, the next one, uh, man, this is very special to me, and that is the soundtrack to Trick or Treat by Fastway, and kind of a rare uh, soundtrack where it's just one band doing all the music, and something I didn't know till years later. You know, some of these tracks were released uh, previously. 
and some were brand new. I had no idea it was a mishmash. I just thought this was all shit for the movie. And uh, I remember specifically right after we got out of this movie, I had my dad take me to get the soundtrack and uh, just played the shit out of this. And this is one uh, I didn't see it a lot on MTV. Uh, didn't have a lot of friends who knew about it or were into it, but it wasn't until years later on the internet I discovered uh, it does not only the movie, but the soundtrack has quite a cult following. And uh, I absolutely love it. I've been looking uh, into getting it on vinyl, uh, trying to find one uh, reasonably priced, but it's a little pricey right now. But uh, you weren't too enamored with this, huh? Well, no, it's not that I don't like this album. I think it's good, but compared to like the first album, it's definitely a downgrade. Uh, it does have, I believe, the bonus track from the first album, um, Heft. Yes. Uh, and it has, if you can see, from uh, All Fired Up, which is a song I absolutely love from that album. Uh, yes. And the rest is original. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I did buy this on vinyl on upon release. I think it cost me $7.99 back then, so I, I had no idea this is, uh, but I guess everything back then was expensive. Right. But, uh, yeah, and then you have the video for After Midnight with uh, Sammy Kerr lip-syncing Dave King's vocals with uh, Fast Eddie in a room and then little clips of the movie. It's okay. It's not a bad album. I'm not slamming it. I love Fast Way. But, you know, it's just like, you know, uh, it's like they're, it's like comparing blow up your video to back in black. That's how, that's the best way I can do it. And I like blow up your video. All right. All right. And then the next one you probably don't know is the debut of Fifth Angel. I do know Fifth Angel. Oh, okay. Good, good. You know this album? Uh, I haven't heard it all the way through. I knew about this because they did the theme to the Howard Stern Channel 9 show. That's off their second album. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, I got both of these, but I haven't listened to them yet. <laughs> uh, the second album's awesome, too. Uh, they're both awesome. This one, uh, I really dig this one. This uh, Actually, the funny thing about this album was uh, there's two versions of it, uh, but uh, it's the same damn song. It's just di different album covers. I, uh, one was from Shrapnel Records. I believe they're the first ones that put it out. And then uh, I think it was Electra, maybe? Oh, no, no, it was Epic Records that picked them up and they just put out the same album but with a different cover and both covers are are kind of lame i kind of like prefer the the epic version but you know is that the one with the angel on it kind of yeah just the face of the angel yeah yeah that one the, the other one shows like some dragon looks very cheesy but whatever and they're, they're getting ready to put out a new album finally i just saw the other day oh really Yes. How many albums do those guys make? Did they make a lot? Because I'm just aware of the the two. No, this will be their third. <laughs> wow. As far as as far as I know, yeah. Well, this will I be look, their third. I look forward to that, man. All right, the next one on the list is the debut album from Flotsam and Jetsam, Doomsday for the Deceiver. Now, uh, I'll be honest, I, I didn't know about this album until Jason joined the band. And, of course, you know, we read it in magazines. And my friend, Ronnie Spruce, who you, you'll soon meet in Nashville, because he's my buddy from back in the 80s, is going to that show. He owned this album. That's the first time I ever heard it. And holy crap, this is a great fucking album. This is a uh, night and day of what Jason Newstead became when he be was in Metallica. Because if you listen to this album, 
it's like a goddamn bass solo all through the whole album. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, they pretty much tamed him uh, in Metallica. But, yeah, it's a fucking classic. It's a thrashing classic. I Live, You Die. Uh, the sea, uh, what is it? Desecrator, the title track, Flotzilla, uh, Hammerhead, which the last time I saw them, uh, they opened with Hammerhead, and they also played She Took an Axe from this album. Fucking Stone Cold Classic. You aware of this album? Uh, I remember listening to it a long time ago, and something about it didn't grab me. Yeah, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know if it was the vocals or the production or something, but uh, it's one I've been. You know, I always got this list of albums I need to go back and check out. And this is definitely on there because so many people uh, that do like Flotsam, you know, you know, they always go. You got some that are all about this one, some that are all about No Place for Disgrace. Uh, but the majority, uh, it's all about Doomsday. So I need to give it another spin. Uh, Great Whites, yeah, I, uh, I believe their first full-length album or no, it's their second. No, second full-length album. Uh, Shot in the Dark. And that's one I'm kind of... Uh, it, it didn't really grab me, even though it has a Stone Cold classic, in my opinion, uh, Face the Day. Their cover of Face the Day, I think, is fucking amazing. But then they also got horrible shit on here, like Give Me Some Lovin'. Uh, you know, a horrible cover of the Spencer Davis classic. Um, this this one didn't really grab me, especially, you know, coming off the, the EP, you know, or, I mean, uh, the first full-length one. Um... Uh, Great White. I thought that was a lot stronger. Uh, but you can kind of see the route they're going. I think they'd get, you know, they really discover their their sound on the next one once bitten. I know you don't like that one either, but uh, this is kind of, this is like an in-between lost album, but, you know, Face Day alone makes it worth it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the first album, and I'll never forget seeing uh, the Face the Day video on uh, Night Flight. And I really dug the song, and I was so happy that Great White was back. And I uh, ran out and bought this album, and I was uh, pleasantly unsurprised. I was like, oh, man, this this is missing that sound of the first album. Because I liked Straight straight Ahead, Great White. You know, the EP was the same thing, Down on Your Knees EP. I thought there was just more... I like, I like metal, man, and they, they got too bluesy after that, and, I, and then... I did buy um, the one with Rock Me, which was the next one. Uh, yeah, What's Bitten. And I did like a song off that one. What was the name of the ballad on that one? Uh, there's a couple. The one I really love, or I think it's on that one, is House of Broken Love. No, that's not uh, the one. Save Your Love, I think. Is oh, yeah, yeah, Save, yeah, House of Broken Love's on the next one. Yeah, Save Your Love, beautiful song. Yeah, that was the only song I like off that one. I was like, oh, cause that's a cool fucking ballad, but the rest was just garbage. Really? You didn't like Lady Red Light or Rock Me no, or all, all, no. all Over Now? You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. This is, this is, I'll be completely honest. When Rock Me came out, I think I fooled myself into liking it because it's great white. And it, right. and it became kind of a hit. It was always all over MTV, and I was like, fuck yeah, great white, yeah, yeah. Then I bought the album and I tried, and I was like, "Well, I like the ballad, but uh, nah." I'm telling you, dude, it's it's a different band. It's, you know, yeah. to me, it's I, I equate it with, uh, you know, Pyromania and, and Hysteria. You know, yeah. it's just too too different for me. And I and I and I always had a problem with bands that go the bluesy route because they want credibility. And just about all the the bands that like Cinderella did that and. 
then a bunch of garbage bands, you know, did that too. But you know, it's just all you notice. They all did that. They all went the bluesy route, you know. Oh yeah, it was it was it was definitely the trend. You know, I didn't mind it because I, you know, I prefer, you know, I, I like that kind of shit. But uh, you know, you you did see where it got to be kind of. Uh, where it was just gimmicky. It wasn't sincere anymore. I think there was a couple bands that really like they liked that and were trying to show that. And then other bands just discovered, oh, that's what they're doing. Now we got to do it. And you can always tell that. Well, I just you know? find it phony. It's like, you know, why didn't you come out bluesy? I'd have more respect for you. No, I want, we're now we're bluesy. You know, it's right. like, ah, get out of town. All right, what's next? All right, let me go back because I was looking at all these different green well, white I, I, I could tell you, uh, Guns N' Roses, Life oh like yeah. Suicide EP. Oh yeah. Well, like most people, you know, I had no idea about this until Lies came out. Uh, but I absolutely love it. You know, I think it's great. That that's real Guns N' Roses, not you know three keyboard players and background singers and all this shit. It's uh, you know the dirtbag band that that I fell in love with on Appetite. You know, th- th- this is Guns N' Roses, man. It, if there's more than five people on stage, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not interested. You I, know. I liked uh, Reckless Life, but the rest is like whatever. Uh, I liked uh, uh, Mamakin. I, I, I thought was. Yeah, yeah, I liked yeah, that's right. That was okay. Their too. cover. I liked Moving to the City. That was the uh, only thing I remember when I saw Guns N' Roses at the club. The only song uh, I knew was Mamakin. Right. But uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, for yeah, what move, it is. Moving to the City. Nice boys. I, I like them all. Uh, Hallow's Eve, you wear them? Oh, hell yeah. This hell is yeah. Their second album, Death and Insanity. Absolutely yeah. love this album. Uh, Thrasher Die covered uh, D.I.E., uh, the opening track on side two. And uh, yeah, it's a definite classic. Uh, I, I believe they only released three albums. I could be wrong. But they, they did release three albums back in the 80s. And then they right. just disappeared. I, I know they reunited. They may have done something. I'll tell you a funny story. Me, uh, my friend Paolo, and Willie, my old big guitar player, drove seven hours to go see Hallow's Eve play up in North Florida somewhere. And when we got there, it was canceled. And the guy told us, um, hey, but still, we're going to have some local bands here, man. You should stick, stick around. I was like, ah, okay. And we left. All right. <laughs> Alright. Uh, uh, yeah, Hollow's Eve. Uh, first discovered them through the amazing movie River's Edge, uh, which they're featured on the soundtrack. And, uh, you know, but at that time I wasn't into shit that heavy, but I always, you know, it always stuck out to me. And then years later, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're on the River's Edge soundtrack. Let me check it out. And when I first heard it, man, was I pleasantly surprised. I was like, damn, this is some great fucking shit. But, you know, prime example of. Some shit, you know, that I didn't like when I was a kid grows on me now, especially, you know, the heavier shit. Um, but, man, I really, really fucking dug it and was, you know, happy to go back and discover something like that. So I, I, I advise that to a lot of people. Go check out some Hollow's Eve. All right, Hurricane, the EP, Take What You Want. You know that one? Uh, I have it, but I haven't. Li- I knew more the the second album, Over the Edge. Yeah, I thought that one was better, but this one's okay. I mean, uh, I love the song Hurricane, uh, and it uh, features Rudy Sarzo's brother on bass and, and Carlos. No, I, 
on guitar. On guitar and Carlos Cavazo's brother on bass. It's like the switcheroo. Yeah. And their singer now is the singer of Foreigner. Yeah, and I cannot believe you like these guys. Yeah, I like them. I mean, I, I, I always liked it, but I figured this would be way too fucking uh, cock rock for well, you. Well, no, no, I didn't like nah, 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 nah. And I'm over you. Yeah, that's that's it, garbage. Shit. But the I title, love it. the title track, "Over the Edge," and the song "Messing with a Hurricane." Shit, yeah. how can you not think I like those? Those are great and, fucking metal songs. And man, that fucking singer, holy shit! I never got to see uh, Hurricane, but I have seen him with Foreigner, and oh my god, does he do a great job? Uh, and it's one of those situations, you know. I've seen footage lately. Uh, I'm blabbermouth and shit where Lou Graham has come out and sang with Foreigner and I was like Ugh, give me the other guy back man Lou sounds like shit <laughs> you know and this guy I mean he does it he does it right man uh, you know of course I you know I love Lou Graham you know uh, I like Foreigner you know they, they get a little bit too ballady but uh, I, they got some great rocking songs uh, but I thought Lou always had a great voice but now and again, maybe it's the recordings, you know, because it is somebody with their fucking phone. But, man, I tell you, I, I saw that, you know, that Kelly, I think his name's Kelly something. Kelly Hansen. Yeah, Ed, that fucker can sing. He can. He does those songs justice. Have you seen Foreigner with him? No, Ralph? no, but I saw Hurricane, uh, I saw Hurricane three times. One time headline and the other two times with Striper, opening for Striper. <clears throat> Iron Maiden. Yes. Somewhere in time. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. This is, if you lived if you lived my era, right. uh, it was a very uh, polarizing album because most people liked it even back in '86, and then there was a lot of people like me that were like, "Oh, fuck this album." But uh, even back then, I said, "Well, I like the last two tracks, Deja Vu and uh, Alexander Great," but. I've grown to like Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. And I've always loved musically Wasted Years, but I can't stand Pookie's vocals on it. But uh, whatever. This was the first time for me Iron Maiden let me down. Because every album before this was great. So. Yeah, I, I think it's a fucking masterpiece. But then again, you know, it was my first Iron Maiden. And uh, man, and I just bought it on vinyl months ago. And it sounds so great. I love the only song I'm like, uh, about is Heaven Can Wait, but still it depends on the oh, days. I hate that song. So, some days I'm right with you, man. Some days it annoys me, and other days uh, I dig it. Usually when I end up digging it is if I'm, I'm listening to the whole album. Like sometimes, you know, songs come up on my phone. On my phone, I always got shit on shuffle. You know, and at home, I always listen, you know, to full albums. But uh, I, I think with the context of the album, I enjoy it more by itself. It annoys me. But still, I mean, oh my God, Sea of Fucking Madness, uh, the title track. I, I mean, I, I, I love it all. And it just, I cannot hear it without, you know, I very vividly, you know, can see my grandparents' basement and where the stereo was and putting that tape in the deck and, uh, you know, and smelling the booklet. <laughs> you know, it was, and, and this was the band that I said I would never get into, you know, because that, that's what all the, the smokers listen to. You know, when I was in grade school, you saw hey, there's this one kid, you know, from the bad side of the tracks. He had a Power Slave poster. Like, oh, God, what's, that's devil shit. And uh, as I remember, a good friend of mine freaking out when I started listening to Cinderella and Kiss. 
And I was like, don't worry, it's not like I'm listening to that Iron Maiden stuff. Well, within a couple months, I was. <laughs> and I love it. But I can see, you, you know, you growing up with the other stuff first, where, where that would piss you off. But to me, coming in at that time, and still to this day, it's probably the Iron Maiden record I play the most. Uh, I would say my favorite now uh, of all time would be Killers. But, uh, you know, talk about the one I play the most, hands down, it's fucking somewhere in time. Yeah, well, we fucked up because we did have an episode about it and we should have told people, go listen to that episode, don't be lazy. Like the next album, Turbo from Judas Priest with Bill Wang. Go listen to it. There you go. Uh, the next one, Final Frontier from Keel. Uh, for me, a big improvement from Right to Rock. I know Right to Rock is the one everybody loves. I kind of find that album kind of weak. Uh, <clears throat> this one, I think they... Uh, they, it was really good. I love, uh, uh, man, now I gotta look at the trash and listen to that boxing song. Let me see. What's it called? No Pain, No Gain. I like Arm and a Leg. No, Arm and a Leg, I think, is the boxing song. Uh, I like the cover to Because the Night, the Bruce Springsteen song. Uh, Rock and Roll Animal is cheese riffic. Um, uh, cheese riffic fucking 80s, uh, song, and, uh, and I, I dug the, 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 the ballad, uh, Tears of Fire. I dug it a lot. And, yeah, it's a rocking song, and I'm a fan of Keel. Yeah. I don't think I ever heard the album all the way through. I might have heard a couple songs. I'm just not a Keel fan. Nice guy, but not a fan. Ah, what's next? What are your favorites of all time? King Diamond put out Fatal Portrait. Definitely my favorite King Diamond album which was supposed to be the next Merciful Fate album. Yep. These, all these songs were supposed to be uh, done by Merciful Fate, but they had a falling out with uh, Hank Sherman because he, he started to wear pink on stage and pissing King off and didn't want to go the heavy route anymore. So they gave him the boot, and unfortunately they gave the boot to Kim Rose as well, but they brought in the mighty Mickey D, uh, who's technically a phenomenal drummer, and oh boy, Fatal Portrait to me is a masterpiece. And um, hey, I, I don't mind it either. But if you want to hear what I think, listen to the episode. Oh, we, we have did. Oh, we, we did do this one. Yeah, we did. My bad. Oh, the next one. Historic Creator Pleasures to Kill. Woo. Uh, you know this one? Um, I, I need to listen to it more because I, I love love Creator. Uh, but I'm definitely more familiar. Uh, with like mid nineties on creator. Uh, and, and they've changed a lot. I mean, shit, they got some that's kind of like industrial or grungish, you know, and they're thrash again now. And I think they're putting out quality thrash now, but I've always heard what a legendary album this was, but man, when I put it on, uh, wow. You know, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier about, uh, dark angel, you know, yeah. Destruction. Well, the same with dark. Angel. it was just, I don't know, too pummeling, you know, you said it was a good word, you know, but it's one of those that I, I need to go back and, and re-listen to, and I, I think on repeated listens, because a lot of times it's like that, you know, at first the production is so bad, but it takes me some time to get over that, There's nothing, but I really like this band, and I love, they, they're putting out some heavy-ass albums now, but this is like, uh, you know, it reminds me of like, you know, real early, uh, Sepultura and stuff like that and uh you know like morbid visions era you know um but uh there's no denying the influence man a lot of people uh 
they go between this and Rain and Blood as the the best thrash record, you know, for the people who don't automatically say Master of Puppets. Well, I'll be honest. I do like uh, the ones before it a little more, uh, like Flag of Hate and uh, Endless Pain is like probably my favorite. But uh, dude, this one brings under the guillotine. One of the greatest creative songs ever. And, uh, you know, Ripping Corpse is on here, the title track, uh, The Pestilence. Good shit, man. I, I-, I love this album. It's a great album. Ooh, uh, go to the next one. Yeah, the next one. This band put out two albums in 1986. And talking about Crocus, put out Change of Address and Live and Screaming. And Change of Address, I really only know, uh, you know, School's Out. And I thought that was so horrible, I never listened to the rest of the album. Alive and Screaming, I remember hearing at a house party uh, one time. But, I mean, shit, we're talking, you know, probably around 86, 87. So I don't remember, really, if it's any good. I have it. I have both of these and just never got around to listen to them. But, no, you're not a fan that much of Change of Address, huh? Hi, I went out and bought it. I still got it because I'm a pack rat. That album is terrible. I mean, terrible. I mean, the Blitz was not bad, but it was like a downgrade from uh, Headhunter. Headhunter. I mean, it was okay, but you could tell they were trying to, you know, appeal to, uh, you know, the masses. But, dude, change the address? It doesn't even sound like they're trying. It's like, let's just release this cover of Schools Out and throw a bunch of fucking crap around it. And let's hope it sticks to the wall. But And MTV pushed the fuck out of Schools Out and just did nothing. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it's that philosophy. Hey, if it was a hit before, you know, it'll be a hit again. And no, it didn't work out. And it did come out in the summer. It was the perfect time, you know. But, man, it's like the the rest of the songs on this album, they're not even trying. I mean, there was, I think, there was one song. Let me look at the track list. There was uh, one song on here I was like, okay, this one's okay. I think it was Burn Up. It was either Burning Up the Night or... Or World on Fire. I know it had something to do with fire. Uh, it was just halfway decent. It would have been like a, a good filler on Headhunter. Also, but, it, it looks bad when you go from like the previous album, your single's a cover, and now on your next album, you know, it's it's a cover. You know, it's like, did they learn anything from Quiet Riot, you know, coming out with another Slade cover on Crit- Condition Critical? You know, it, wait, wait, it just... Was the, the, they had a cover on... Uh, the Blitz? Oh, yeah. Ball yeah. Blitz. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. And that was terrible, too. Yeah. I didn't like their cover of Ball and Blitz. No. And no. Alive and Screaming, I didn't even know about this album. I know that's the one with Dracula on the cover, right? Uh, Yeah, I guess you could say it's Dracula. Nosferatu. Yeah, kind of kind of a Nosferatu-looking dude, yeah. I, I don't recall this. <laughs> I don't recall this album back then. And it seems like one of those things like, wow, that failed. Throw out something quick. You know, right. All right. Well, the next one is Lizzie Borden, and they also put out two albums, 1986, and again like Crocus, a studio and a live album. They put out the Murderous Metal Road Show and Menace to Society, and these are two that I really need to check out uh, because I loved that episode that you guys didn't check out, the Lizzie Borden one we did with Aaron Camaro. Uh, I really, really dug that album. This is a band I wanted to go back and dig deeper to. The problem is, it sometimes it gets hard with this show because, uh, you know, my job has changed, so I don't get to listen to music or podcasts as much at work as I used to. And 
There's a lot of times, man, I want to listen to my shit. I want to listen to records and other stuff, but I'm always studying for a fucking review. So I haven't had time to go back and check out more Lizzie Borden, but I really, really want to because I love fucking visualize so goddamn much. And I already talked about it in the news. I really love the two new songs uh, for the upcoming Lizzie Borden albums. And Aaron Camaro said the video for this murder uh, metal roadshow is what made him a fan and loved that video. Uh, are you familiar with both of these releases, Ralph? Yes, and uh, boy, uh, that I don't. I no longer have that videotape, but boy, I remember playing it to death. You can uh, get it now on DVD, I believe, through Metal I have it. Records. I have okay. It. And, and the extras on it is John Bush interviewing Lizzie Borden. Oh wow! And it's a really good interview. Men's Society, I absolutely love. Uh, you know, Visualize is my favorite one, but Men's Society would be like a close second. A great, great studio album. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't aware of that. You know, looking at the list, I'm like, wow, both of them came out that year, huh? Did you uh, ever get around to listening to the two new songs? Yes, and I really dug it. Nice. Uh, it was different. Uh, I liked, I liked the video more. Uh, you know the the, the worded video, the, yeah. the, the lyric video was also awesome, very different. But that that video video, yeah, was really catchy and cool. But boy, it was so different. But I loved it. It was great. Really, see, it didn't seem. I, I mean, maybe because you're more familiar with them than I am, but it didn't really seem that out of place to me. I thought, you know, from what I heard on Visualize, I thought it was a good progression and a really neat video too this guy you know takes a lot of shit you know he always gets like a running joke you know because he's a second tier you know shock rocker uh but man i think he's got some great ideas you yeah. know it was just a very uh a creative video i would say especially in this day and age where there's hardly any videos out period let alone ones that are creative uh so yeah i dug it yeah metal blade really stands behind this dude look at all these years later yeah, you know they, oh, they 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 love Lizzie Borden like they love Armored Saint. Uh, Metal Blade is very dedicated to yeah. their, uh, the their artists. They're loyal. They're, you know, I'll say yeah. that about Brian Slagle. You know, and I know, uh, you know, Dave Mustaine talks a lot of shit about him, but uh, yeah, I gotta say he's loyal because he he if he believes in you, he believes in you, and he doesn't care about anything what's hip or what's popular he'll stand by you so you gotta well, respect that well i think he stands by his early artist uh he's uh shift sh uh, i'm not gonna name a band but i'll just put it this way there's a band that stayed at my house oh okay and uh they were on metal blade at the time they weren't even off metal blade yet and they were just telling me what a fucked up deal they got and they want out and i'll tell you off the air who that band is oh shit okay they, they are no longer on metal blade oh okay well i stand corrected but yeah, but still, he's loyal to the early artists, you know. Bitch, I think he still has bitch and uh, you know, a lot of the early ones that he sticks by. All right, all right, the next one, and I'm a huge fan of Loudness, huge. But I'll tell you something about this album. I think they just got. I mean, they, it was. It's almost like being heavy for the sake of being heavy. Though it does have its good moments. I really like the 1,000 Eyes on here. I like the single Let It Go. It's catchy. Shadows of War was good. Black Star Oblivion. Uh, but the rest is like, it's really, really heavy. But I didn't, it was kind of soulless to me. I really dug a Thunder Knees more. And I think they kind of like dropped the ball. I mean, they were, I guess they were, I don't know, looking at like Metallica and bands like that. And they were like, 
let's get really, really heavy. And uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, look, the songs I mentioned, I really do like. But the rest of it is like, it's not shitty. It's just like really heavy, but with without soul. You know, I think. Uh, they're a band I need to check out more. I mean, I just always, because of Rock and Roll Crazy Nights, I always kind of looked that up as a joke. Uh, I know. love that album. I love that song. Cause I yeah I, I always thought that was like uh, some poison type shit to me, you know uh, you know with the it just sounds silly I don't I don't know I never took them seriously but uh, I need to check them out and I, I really want to check out the era with uh, Mike Becerra whoa that rhymed uh, because I, I when I meet the guy I want to have something to talk to him about <laughs> yeah and I, and I have a feeling you're really gonna like that I mean. To me, man, I mean, my opinion, I don't think nobody's got a better guitar tone than Akira Takasaki. I mean, that guy is one of my all-time favorite guitar players. And uh, funny I've heard story, that from a lot of people. Yeah, and funny story when I met him, because it was a total shock. Uh, I went to go see, uh, it was one of those pre-crew shows here at the Miami Casino, like maybe two, three years ago. And Sebastian Bach was going to play with uh, Steve Vai, so oh, I'm going to go see that. And then the guy from Tesla was there he was really good he, he did his solo frank hannon i think oh yeah i love frank yeah he was great his solo shit was great i gotta look into it and uh you know and then akira comes out and he does highway star you know like a super band type thing and i was like oh my god and and what really kills ruben is that ruben's like the biggest loudness fan he lives literally across the street from his casino he didn't go to the show and i called him and he didn't pick up i was like dude akira's here uh-huh. And yeah, he played Highway Star. He did it just like Richie ripping. Oh, and, wow. then, and then after the show, we're just hanging out in the parking lot. And here comes Akira with some guy taking him to a car. And I'm like, oh, Akira, Akira. And he's like, hi, hi. And he kept walking. I go, can I get a picture? And he just kept walking. And then he turned around. And he goes, picture, picture. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool guy. He didn't speak English, but yeah, I got a picture with him. Super nice guy. And I'm so glad I, you know, I got the got to nice. at least meet him a little bit but yeah I, i'm a big fan of his guitar playing he's fucking awesome they did go like new metal and really shitty for a while but their last one i only heard one song off it and i gotta hear the rest because it's total metal and it's really really good so i gotta check it out right on. next one mars project driver you know about this yeah i have it i listened to it one day and it didn't really Grammy. I don't know if it was the singer or something. Again, it's one of those. Sometimes I just put on weird shit while I'm doing stuff around the house, and uh, you know I like a lot of the people involved with it, but I don't know. It didn't grab me. But I, for some reason, I think you really dig it. So maybe I need to give it another chance. I love this album. This album was actually supposed to be on a major label, and it was dropped for whatever reason. I believe Shrapnel picked it up like a year or two later. Yeah. Because this this was recorded right when Rudy left. Quiet Riot. This was his, and it originally had Craig Goldie on guitar, but correct. But now it has Tony McAlpine, another one of my favorite guitar players. And Rob Rock is awesome. I love his singing. I saw this is really wild, man. I think I have it on video. I got to check. No, I don't have it on video. But hopefully online, I, I got to look into this. I saw Rob Rock play this festival in Tampa, and he had this guy on guitar that was deformed. You ever seen those guys that their arm is like? They don't have like an they don't have an arm. They just have like a little stump and a hand. You yeah. Know, it's like, this guy was shredding like you wouldn't believe, and he was deformed, and it was amazing. So uh, yeah, but I do love this album. Nations on Fire, 
uh, Writing on the Wall. What's another song on there? Like, I don't know. I think the whole thing's really good. But yeah, I can understand why a label would drop it because I don't think this is very commercial viable. But I really dig it. All right. Uh, this one, man, I love this next album. Ingve J. Malmsteen's Trilogy. And this was my first... Uh, first Ingve album. I remember buying this the same day as uh, Dio's Sacred Heart, because I saw the video for You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget. Uh, still, to this day, <clears throat> by far, my favorite Ingve album. Uh, I find it the most listenable uh, as an album. There are other albums that have better tracks, but as far as like the flow of it, uh, I don't think you can beat this one. Again, maybe that's because it's my, my first, but uh, goddamn liar! Queen is in love. You know you don't remember. Uh, Opus. Uh, I I love this one. And Ingve is one of those guys I always try to get more into, and I just find myself it's hard listening to a full album. I get bored. It becomes too much masturbatory shit. But I think on this one the, the songwriting is is so strong. Um, you know, he'd go a little bit more commercial on the next one, you know, with Joe Lynn Turner and Odyssey. Uh, but this one, I think, is a perfect mix of what he did on the first two albums, uh, you know, keeping it Dungeons and Dragons metal, but still, you know, the songwriting a little bit catchier. Absolutely love this fucking album. What do you think, Ralph? Nah, Liar, Queen and Love, Dark Ages. That's it. Yeah. Uh, the rest does nothing to me. And I think this album... He went more commercial. Yeah, he got even more commercial on Odyssey, but I prefer the Dungeons & Dragons. The first two are my favorite Ingves. But there, then there's albums that he did much later, like Alchemy. I really love that one a lot. And uh, the, one he did, the one he did with Mike Vissero was pretty good, too. But, um, eh, I mean, I, I bought it. I, at that time, I was a huge Ingve fan. And uh, what's really odd about this, though, was... Um, I saw the Rising Force tour open for uh, Iron Maiden somewhere in time. No, no. I guess it was. No. I saw Rising Force open for ACDC. What, what a weird combo, right? Wow. And, and that Marching Out album with uh, Jeff Scott Soto. But on the tour of Marching Out, it was Mark Bowles. The singer of this album was on tour with... Uh, during the Marching Out era. So then I saw Ingve on this tour open for Iron Maiden and their singer was Jeff Scott Soto, which was odd. And when I met Mark Bowles, I, I talked to him about that. Uh, super nice guy. I saw him with the Dio Disciples. Uh, great, great singer. Bad, bad wig. But, yeah. uh, is, is, he a, is he a woman now? No. No. no not, he, I saw Dio's Disciples like five years ago, so I don't know what he did since then. Or, or maybe maybe he's just gay. I think that's what it is. He's gay. Maybe I don't know, but but uh, no, he was very manly with ha facial hair and everything. Terrible, right. terrible wig. Probably just gay then. All right, all right. The next one is my favorite Megadeth album, Peace Sells, but who's buying? Ooh, man, you want to talk about a game changer right here? I mean, I was already aware of Killing My Business, and I love that album. But when I heard this one, I was like fucking A. And to this day this album has aged beautifully except for the cover. Uh, which I never liked. Uh, but man, uh, the title track, Conjuring, uh, 
my last words. Uh, it's a Black Friday, bad yeah. omens. Great, yeah. great fucking. Wake album. up dead. Wake up dead. Yeah, I mean the whole album is fucking awesome. It's just like I ain't superstitious, which was still on the set list, which I don't understand. They didn't play Black Friday, but they played that crap. Yeah, see, I I love uh, I ain't superstitious, and I can't stand uh, these boots. <laughs> oh, I love these boots. Yeah, I would have to say that uh, this is my first Megadeth, and uh, I talked about it before. I remember being scared because when we were going, me and my dad were going to see Alice Cooper, my first rock concert. It was supposed to be Megadeth. And I knew my, you know, already my dad had a problem with what I listened to, but I knew there's no way he could handle thrash. You know, I didn't even like thrash at that point. Uh, I was like, oh God. And, and I remember waiting out line, out, waiting outside the show. You could see through the glass at the, at the arena that they were selling Tesla shirts. And I was like, oh, dad might like Tesla. You know, so I saw like the first date when Tesla took over. Uh, but uh, then, then I saw the video uh, for peace cells, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I ran out. and I got this. I remember this. The, the, the same day, I bought this and to hell with the devil. And my, I remember my we we're at Kmart, and my grandma looking at the fucking cover of peace cells. And then I show her to hell with the devil. She's like, "The hell with the devil!" I'm like, yeah, but they're a Christian band. <laughs> you know, this counteracts the other one. <laughs> but the difference is, I still listen to fucking peace cells. Although I will say, it's my third favorite uh megadeth my favorite being uh killing is my business that is that is my favorite nowadays don't blame me that's a great album yeah and that's one uh that i did not hear for years and years i mean we did do a review so you could go back and listen to that one but it is now my favorite megadeth and i just got the uh the new new remaster but i've yet to listen to it I don't care for it. I don't. Uh, uh, I. I don't care for that first rematch. I don't care for. I like this one. Shitty production and all. There's a charm to it. It's like hotter than hell from Kiss. I love the way Killing Is My Business sounds. I just love it. It's raw. It's dirty. And I love the album cover more than this new shit that Dave Mustaine wanted it to look like back then. You. You heard the brand new remaster? Yeah. Well, I heard something on YouTube, and I was like, okay. It just sounds too polished to me. It's like fuck okay. it. I like. I, like the I, I haven't listened to it yet. I, I loved. I loved the the first remaster he did. I actually prefer that one to the uh, original, but I, I haven't heard the new new one yet. So. And I understand they they changed the lyrics to these boots. Oh uh, well, well they they did on the first remaster. The oh, then maybe did. I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about this one. Yeah, yeah. This one I because I, I was going to ask you that next. Which version? Of uh, these boots, it doesn't matter either way though, because I fucking can't. Say. I I love the original. I love Nancy Sinatra, but the fucking the Megadeth one's just fucking corny as all fuck. Yeah, I, I think it's as uh, as horrible as the fucking Anarchy in the UK cover. It's okay. bad. Uh, all right, take the next one. All right, the next one. Well, that I would kind of half-ass know would be Metal Church the Dark. And uh, this one, I know it in, uh, you know, I, I know of it, but I have not listened to this one yet. Uh, Metal Church is one of those bands that always kind of uh, escape me. But I do remember when I first, you know, because of the timeline, I remember when I first buying Hit Parader and Circus, seeing a lot of ads uh, for this album. I always thought the album cover looked neat, you know, with the door just looking mysterious. And apparently they played a video for something about the children or some shit. 
uh, yeah, yeah, yes, something like that. But I never remember seeing it on MTV. Oh, yeah, uh, they played it a lot actually during Headbangers Ball though. We we did uh, we did review the first album, and so far that's been the only metal church that uh, I listened to all the way through. And I was kind of I liked half of it, you know, and and half I was like, eh. But uh, another band I need to go back and check out because there's a lot of people into them. What do you think of this one? Love it. You know, th- now that I see Metal Church the Dark, this is the year that I first bought CDs because Metal Church the Dark, Led Zeppelin 2, and Are You Experience were the first three CDs I ever bought in my life. And I absolutely love the Dark. The Dark is awesome. The title track, Ton of Bridge, Start the Fire. Uh, Legion, I forgot the name of it. First, that's... Uh, United, I can't remember now, but fuck, David Wayne, it's the last album with him. He did return to do a uh, masterpiece with them, which was terrible, a terrible comeback album. And uh, he soon left and made a band called Wayne and released an album called Metal Church. That's fucking awesome. But I love the dark, oh, the fucking title track, too great great fucking album unfortunately i never got to see the late great david wayne but uh what a great great album! i was so happy when i bought when i heard this on cd because the dark is a, is an album that man it really does have a you know a lot of depth to it a lot of sounds and a lot of like weird shit going on it's different i you know though i do prefer the first one because the first one's a little more you know straightforward you know thrash this one has those same elements, but it has this extraness to it. And yeah, Watch the Children Pray was the video that, man, if they would have made a video for Ton of Bricks or Start the Fire, it would have been a huge hit. But unfortunately, eh. All right, the next one is the one that was played the most in my crowd. No, it wasn't your fucking Turbo and shit like that. It was Master of Puppets. Game Changer. This was, the, this was our band. This was the Diamond in the pocket, as Dee Snyder would say. They were still, they were, they were becoming big, but they were still at that underground level. And Master of Puppets, dude. I mean, yeah, there may be, it may, it does have suffer somewhat of a burnout factor. But boy, listening to this shit brand new, because I was already like a big Metallica fan, huge. And when I heard Master of Puppets for, for the first time, the first time I heard it, I said, "Holy fuck, dude!" They really outdid themselves with this shit. This shit is a masterpiece. Masterpiece of puppets. And I love it. I love this album. I still love it today. Uh, though I don't listen to it much because of the burnout factor, but it's a fucking classic. What do you think? Uh, well, I'm not going to go too long because this is an album we are going to review. Uh, for those longtime listeners, a lot of people enjoyed an episode we did with a friend of mine, Ohm Ingram, uh, who is not a metalhead but he loves this show. Uh, so we decided we'd do the stuff where we'd give him metal albums to listen to and get a non-metalhead's uh, opinion, and he did Judas Priest British Steel with us. And Ralph picked that one out. And my pick, uh, we just got to get around to recording it, is Master of Puppets. Uh, but though I will give a small spoiler alert, I think it's a perfect fucking album. Uh, one of the greatest all time. Uh, not a bad song, uh, but... Definitely got a lot of stories to share when we do do that episode. Yeah, as of now, it's my favorite Metallica album, but sometimes it's Kill Em All. But this, uh, now, I think Master... I bought that deluxe edition 
which I listen to everything on there except for the actual album. And, uh, man, it's just fucking perfect. It's fucking great. All right, well, the next one would be Motorhead Orgasmatron. And uh, this is one... I, I didn't get into Motorhead until the next album, Rock and Roll, but this was one that I always heard people talk about. Like, oh, God, Orgasmatron. You know, that that's the return of, uh, of Motorhead and stuff like that. And when I finally got around to hearing it, I got to say I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, I grew to like it a lot more, but uh, I would have to say I like both rock and roll and uh, the one before it, Another Perfect Day, much more than Orgasmatron. And even though I do love, uh, I love the title track, it you know of course it goes to what you heard first. Uh, to me, every time I hear Orgasmatron, I want to hear Sepultura's amazing cover of it. Uh, you know, but I was lucky. You know, I did see uh, let, let me play this live with Motorhead, and you know they just got the green spotlight on him, and it was an amazing show. Um, got to see Motorhead a bunch of times, but uh, you know only once. You know where, where they did Orgasmatron. But I, I think it's, it's a it's a solid album. The production lets me down a little bit, but uh, but still good. But I I, I think it's uh, people look at Orgasmatron like they look at Revenge. They, uh, they praise it a lot more than I think it deserves. What do you think? Yeah, well, consider me one of those revenge tarts, even though I hate revenge, but this was the return of Motorhead. This this album floored me. It was what I was waiting for. You know, we got a little taste with No Remorse back then with Killed by Death and uh, oh, Snaggletooth. You know, I was like, oh, right. this new la- lineup is badass. Locomotive. And then when I heard this album, I was like, oh, my God, this shit's godly fucking the claw death forever uh dr rock i love that song riding with the driver one of the greatest lemmy songs uh, ain't that a trick you make me sick man. you make me sick i love that line and uh built for speed which was built for speeds on the album hearing aid as on the road uh they rewrote it to built the speed um nothing up my sleeve babe watch out watch out Ain't My Crime is probably the only one I don't like off this, but Mean Machine, of course, the title track, which I can't tell you Sepultura's version is better, but I can't tell you Motorhead's version is better. I think they're tied. They're both very different, but they're both awesome. And in my opinion, the greatest Lemmy lyrics ever are on a Motorhead track. Hands down, the best best lyrics he ever wrote. I absolutely love fucking Orgasmatron. It's a goddamn classic. Now, would you would you take it over either uh, another perfect day or rock and roll? Yes, both. Wow. Okay. And I, and I love another perfect. I love rock and roll. Rock and roll is rock and roll is very underrated. Yeah, I, I believe. I, so. I, Even I, Lemmy didn't like it, and I love yeah. it. You know, no, I, I think it's great, but I just think Orgasmatron's way better. And uh, I I don't know. I don't. I can't say. I can't say it's way better than another perfect day. Another perfect day was. Uh, was a you know uh, it was a grower because it was to me it sounded like uh, them selling out you know because I'll never forget the first time I heard anything off that album was uh, I got mine on a radio show it was actually a local radio show played it and I was like wait a second this shit sounds commercial you know oh it was a grower for me too but I've grown to love it (laughs) oh I love I love that album but I think it's because of uh I mean, Orgasmatron, I don't know, it's more special to me because it was the return 
of the Motorhead sound, and, right. and and I just think it's a fucking great album. It's solid, except for one track, is like so so. All right, all right. The next one, uh, you got two albums from Nuclear Assault: the Brain Dead EP and Game Over. Oh yeah, this is the shit right here. Brain Dead with Final Flight and Demolition, then Game Over, which is probably to me their most thrashiest effort with some of my favorite. Uh, my favorite songs like uh, Leave Me in Hell is Leave Me in Hell on that? The Stranded in Hell I mean I think it's uh, on that one uh, um, on Game Over or Brain Dead? on uh, Game Over yeah Stranded in Hell yeah Game Over Stranded to Hell is one of my favorite songs and uh, uh, the, the, the Live Suffer Die instrumental is awesome Cold Steel Betrayer Radiation Sickness then the crazy Hang the Pope uh, yeah, it's it's them at the most rawest, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's an awesome, awesome slash of uh, of uh, and that's that's one band that I discovered on New Year's Eve because I knew of Daniel Lilliker, uh in Anthrax, so I was like, oh, they're playing the cameo on New Year's Eve, Nuclear Assault. They have Dan Lilliker. And you know, back then I was too poor to own an album. It was during, I believe, it was New Year's Eve of uh, no, it wasn't '86. But I, they did, I can't remember, maybe it was the next year. But I don't think it will survive. I could be wrong, but whatever. Uh, yeah, it, I went out and bought this uh, uh, CD, which was um, Game Over and The Plague. And for years, listen to this shit. For years, I didn't know. Well, number one, there was two tracks omitted from the CD. So for years, I didn't, never heard those songs. And then also for years... I didn't hear the last song on that CD because my first CD player refused to play the last song on long CDs. So I never got to hear But then later on, I heard them. And even though they're not the best tracks on the album, they were good. But, you know, I highly recommend go buy the fucking vinyl or if they did release these CDs in its entirety because those songs are worth hearing. Uh, and the Brain Death e- EP I actually have on CD, which is uh, it's a Brain Death EP and then it has... Um, a single fight to be free with a really cool song that I can't remember now that didn't make none of their albums. I think it's search and seizure. I could be wrong, but, um, yeah, good stuff. All right. Uh, I'll take, Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah. They're one of those bands. I, and I need to give another chance to, and I, I think it's, uh, on the other ones, I like the music, but it was getting used to John Conley's, uh, vocals, but one album I liked a lot that a lot of, you know, fans hated, was something wicked <clears throat> and by the time that came out dan Lilliker was out of the band i uh, didn't hate it i didn't hate it uh but it was a nuclear assault to me right no no i i can like going back and listening to older nuclear assault and i had a, a friend of mine uh mike jones was really into nuclear assault and uh it, you know i i just but but it's like the first i really heard so i liked it so and it didn't offend me but now going back and listening to the other shit i can see why okay if you're a fan of you know that stuff i could see you not liking this but uh i need to go back because i remember liking a lot musically just having to get used to his voice because he was singing a lot different by the time something wicked came out but uh the one that's really terrible is out of service uh which was between uh, out, uh, out of out of order you out mean? of order yeah which was between uh game over and something wicked yeah it was so bad it was like what the fuck are these guys thinking it was terrible 
and 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 for you Motley Crue fans, check out the Plague EP so you can hear Buttfuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, and if you don't know nothing about Nuclear Assault, imagine a thrash band with with Sam Kennison singing. Yeah, that's that's the best way to describe Nuclear Assault. Uh, <laughs> they're awesome. All right, so there you have it. Our review of 1986, Ian, part one. Part two will be next week. But hey, let us know. What year would you like us to do next? So uh, hit us up on the Facebook page and let us know. And who knows, maybe we'll agree with you and do that. I better like it, you son of a bitch. All right, you got a pick of the week, Ralph? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I was dreading doing this year, and it turned out I loved a lot of the albums. And the one I'm going to pick is from 1986, though. I don't know if I would say it's the best, but damn, it's damn near the best. Or tied for the best of the year. And I want to pick something that maybe a lot of people out there don't know. And the people that do know, they'll be like, oh, yeah. So my pick of the week is Dark Angels, Darkness Descends. That's my pick of the week from 1986. And if you want to know what I think about it, rewind. (laughs) Right on. Well, uh, I'm too drunk to even remember the albums we just talked about. So I'm going to pick an album from 1991 uh, that I've listened to a lot over the last week. And that is the second album from Badlands, Voodoo Highway. Mm, good one. Oh, man. I really, I forgot how good this fucking album is. I put it like neck and neck uh, with the first one. This one's definitely a little bit more bluesier rock, but uh, I fucking digs it. And it's it's a shame this band imploded when it did, but uh, hey, they didn't have much of a shelf life with that singer anyway, so... It is what it is, but man, definitely check it out, man. If, if, if you like the first one, never check out the second one, or you never heard anything, check out Badlands, Voodoo Highway. That is my pick of the week. Right on, white boy. All right, oh. I got a fan of the week, Ian, if you don't mind. Ah, who's your fan of the week? My fan of the week, and I'm sure he was fan of the week before, and uh, eventually he'll do an episode with us because he paid for one and never did an episode. Well, we did the episode without him, without knowing uh, thanks to Ian. Hat. Bubble brain. Uh, That's me. VIP Scott Stein is my fan of the week once again. Oh, hell yeah. Scott Stein. And uh, probably around the time this airs, it'll be right around uh, the Expo Part Dose. And uh, I fully believe he's going to be VIP again. Probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he and and uh, he's the only repeat from last year. Well, John Oldemeyer is going to come this year, too. Cool. But uh, so we have two repeats from last year, and we have a whole ton of new people heard, coming this year. I heard year. about another repeat this year. Oh, yeah? Yes, isn't that? Oh, yeah? I, I've been hearing rumblings. He's going to be there, too. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm in talks with him, but he didn't send a contract, so I don't know. Anyway, so uh, let's get into the plugs, Ian. Earpillers, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. 
Hey, rock music fans, this is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life, and I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten, and we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday, exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring workday? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina! Skater Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I've deemed necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Hey there, it's Dr. Fuck giving you the Dr. Fuck Show ID. That's right. The Dr. Fuck Show. Aaron here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Come in and join the chat room. It's always a great, crazy time. That's right. I've been doing this for years on that metal station, and you will love it. Nobody hates the Dr. Fuck Show. And what I mean by that is if you hate the Dr. Fuck Show, you're a nobody. All right. Well, if you enjoyed that year in review, uh, let us know and let us know what year you might like us to do. I believe we already did 1983 
And uh, so now 86, is there a year you guys want to hear? Let us know on the Facebook page, and uh, if we agree, you just might hear it. And yeah. that's coming. Tell us to review something from 2022, because that's, uh, that's about around the time we'll do the next one. Yeah. I predict Kiss is going to put out another shitty album. Oh, God. That is my prediction. Mm. But find out next week, or in the year 2020, or 22, right here on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. This concludes our episode from 1986. Six, six, six. Blah!